0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. We've been talking about change for the last several weeks and uh that's what healthy living things do. They they change. Even even when you hit the tipping point, you hit a tipping point where, you know, your body changes in the wrong direction. <laughs> even at that point, uh Scripture says we have the opportunity to be renewed constantly on the inside, even as we're going that direction uh, with our bodies. And that's, that's what I've been, I've experienced that. God keeps renewing me and changing me. I don't, you're probably a lot like me. You don't crave change. I don't crave change. I don't get up in the morning, make a list of all the things I just can't wait to change about me. Um, but as I live life, the need to change And the need to shift my perspective uh, sort of sometimes even slaps me in the face. And I realize I need to change as I handle my relationships, as I do my responsibilities. It becomes obvious I really need to change. So we've been looking these weeks at um, how God changes us and, and how he works in us to do that. We began on Easter by looking at how God provides the power for change. The resurrection is proof that he has the power and it's still available to us as the source for for life change. Last week we looked at the key ingredients and I'd like to take a little time uh, to go over last week's message a bit more than I normally do because we were outside you know we had about a hundred kids out there with us which is great honestly it's fantastic but I just want to catch you up and remind you a little bit of what we talked about there, and um if if you weren't there then you get you get a little more of a review uh than we had, but we looked at the key ingredients God gives the power, and then we looked at the key ingredients that we must mix in as God works to change us, and we have a choice in the the process as well, and we looked at the famous story of the lost son, Jesus told three stories in a row lost coin, lost sheep, and a lost son, tucked into the story of the lost son or the prodigal son as it's become known, there are three choices that the son made in order to cooperate with God and they're the same choices that we need to continually make in order to do that. But the story of the lost son is he's probably around a teenager, maybe early 20s, got tired of living under his father's uh, roof, or actually, my impression is he was working with his father uh, somehow and demanded or asked for his inheritance early. So the father divided his estate, he took his, he went off to a far country, squandered his entire inheritance in a short amount of time. There was a famine, people were hungry, he looked for a place to uh, work only guy that would hire him was a pig farmer. Ends up feeding the pigs in the the pig uh, pen, feeding the pigs. The slop started looking good. He wanted to eat the pig slop. Um, And at that moment, he made the first choice that we make. Sometimes it's not a choice. Sometimes it just happens. But we need to wake up. That's the first thing. That's one of the key ingredients to change. We need to wake up. Waking up is a crucial step because you realize I'm the biggest problem, not my circumstances or the other people. I'm the biggest problem. Something happens, God arranges something or whatever it is, and you you wake up. That's the first ingredient, waking up. Second ingredient that we have to choose is owning up. And this is also what the son did. To own up means I admit my wrong to God and the others that I've offended. I, I own up to what I've done. I take responsibility. And the son, if you recall, he rehearsed what he was going to tell his dad when he got back. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I've been wrong. Will you just let me be one of your servants? And the third thing is, the third ingredient is to shift your weight, which is what he did. I'm putting myself... Father, in your hands here, <laughs> I just want to be your servant. Of course, his dad showed a tremendous amount of compassion to him. But he shifted his weight. To shift your weight means I stop trying to make work, life work on my own power and insight. And I shift my weight to relying on God and his ways. And I trust him. That's what the son did. He shifted it to his father. Just said, okay, I'm just going to put myself at your mercy here. I don't, at this point, I don't carry the weight of change myself, but I trust God to give me the power and I trust Him to do with me whatever He wants. And He's He's very gracious. The way God changes us, once you decide to follow Christ, if you're considering that, uh, God will change you uh in a way that's more like farming than it is manufacturing. You see this in Galatians 5. We looked at this last week. Galatians 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, it's something that grows over time. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, they're all good. These are all good things. This is what God grows in us. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And what we do, our part in the change process is keeping in step with the Spirit. For something to grow, you have to plant it in the ground. You have to bury the seed, which in this passage is having crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires it has to be buried in the soil spiritually this means I I die to my old ways I give up my old ways when I realize that I'm falling back into those patterns I wake up, I own up and I shift my weight back to God I mix those ingredients in and that's how I bury the seed I'd like us to watch another testimony from Ryan Eaton this morning Um, and he's on Easter, we, we watched the first uh, installment of his testimony about how God's been working through different ways to help him change, and we're going to look at the second and the third today. So we're going to get a double dose because we were outside, didn't have the, the screen and all that outside. Um, but, but it's interesting what he shares this morning because he's sharing about spiritual growth, related to finances, and that that actually ends up being one of the key arenas that God uses to get to our heart, and he uses it to help us grow. But it's fascinating to see how God woke him up, what God used to wake him up, and how God worked to bring change. So let's watch this. We're going to see a glimpse of this process, and I'll come back to the pattern God uses in a moment after we watch uh, what Ryan says.
1: I had never attended church regularly and I didn't know what tithe was. Um, I knew the collection plate went around at the end of the service, but I didn't know what you were supposed to do to, with that. Um, as I knew Christian walking with God, I learned um, what tithe was and what God expected. Um, I knew who he wanted, but I did not listen and obey. Um, I, giving was just something that was very inconsistent and typically whatever funds were available after all the bills were paid. Um, it wasn't anything uh, that was the the first 10% or anything like that. Um, Continue to do that for a while. God really put it on my heart that I needed to be tithing the right way. And I kept kind of ignoring that that burden um, and just kept giving whatever we were able to. Um, it came up where we, we decided to start tithing seriously as God requested. Um, it came up one week where we had just enough for tithe and maybe fifty dollars for groceries for the week for a family of four Um, or if we skipped the tithe that time we could live like we were accustomed to and we actually kind of stepped out on faith and i know god says the testament in this area and so that's what we did Um, we prayed that he would take care of us and we tithe as we were supposed to as he requested and we went and we bought groceries for the week on fifty dollars it was going to be very light week and we kind of knew that going in Um, But we knew that that's what God wanted. Um, The very next morning, uh, we got an unexpected business opportunity where money came right away. And I knew at that point, if we were obeying and listening to what God was telling us, he was going to be taking care of us. Um, It was one of the things I had never tested him. And when I did, it it very definitely showed me how when we cooperate with God, he's in control. He's going to take care of us no matter what.
0: All right, Ryan. Really describe the process God uses. More often than not, you find out God says something in the scriptures. And it sort of wakes you up. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Uh Uh-oh. That's not how I normally think. And then you have a choice. Either you own up to what you've been doing and you shift your weight on God. You trust him by following through on what he says. And then he begins to bring the growth over time. But that's the process. We keep waking up, owning up, and shifting our weight. Today, what we're going to look at is how God wants to use the church community to bring about uh, change in us. Uh, God uses church community to pull us toward change. This is what He wants. And I'm going to talk about a change community, four elements of a change community. And by that, I mean uh, a community where you get into it And it pulls you in the right direction like a river has a current that pulls you in a specific direction. This is what God wants in the church. Any group that you begin to relate to and become a part of, that group is going to pull you in a direction. And what God wants from the church is he wants us to be the kind of place where people get around... And they're encouraged, they're pulled toward the right things. Everybody has a choice whether to go that direction or not, but we're, we're pulling in the right direction. That's, that's what God wants to do in the church. So we're going to look at the elements of a community that brings about the right kind of change, that encourages the right kind of change in us. And they are love, speak, uh, no, love, no, do, uh, speak, do, boy, I can 't get them right myself. This is going to be real trouble. I feel bad for you guys. Um, love, no, speak, do, that's it. Those are the elements. we 're going to look at those. Um, when, when we say love, love, it 's a specific kind of love, and it means this. This is what love in the scripture means. there's a new testament, God 's kind of love. It means doing what 's best for the other person, regardless of how I feel. So I may may not feel like it. I may feel like chicken choking you. But I don't choose to do that. I choose to do what's best for you out of love. If we're going to maximize change, we need to belong to a group where we're accepted and where we're loved and we love others. If you're in a group and you keep soaking up the love and everybody's looking out for your best interests and they're taking care of you and you never give back, there's something broken and so, the kind of group that you want to be a part of is one where you're loved, but you also love back. Because a reservoir with no outlet starts to stink. It gets stagnant, and it starts to stink, and that's the way it is. So, there's this give and take, give, give and receive, really, uh, to, to love. If we find a group of people who love us like that, look out for our best best interest, and whom we love back, uh, trust really grows. And it, we start to get pulled in the right direction. That's what God wants from the church. Second element of a changed community is to know. We need a group where we can know people and we can be known by them. We, we need to know more than just the facts about the people, just the sort of surface conversations that we have on the top. But <clears throat> we need to know their heart. This can be scary. But to really grow at the right pace, you want to get into a group, let yourself be known, and get to know other people. If we don't know a person's heart, we can't really help them. We don't really know what's going on with them. If they don't know ours, they can't really help us. It's like a friend, you know, maybe sprained your ankle, you can't go to the grocery store, you need a couple things, they go to the grocery store, but... They don't really, they haven't checked your pantry, they don't know what you need, and they double up on stuff because they don't know. They don't know what you need. They don't know how to help. They're just taking a stab. And if you don't ever let yourself be known, then that's what happens. It's important, it's an important element of the changed community. And then three is speak. We need to be around people who can bring God's truth to bear on specific situations in our life. And we need to be able to do the same for them. So we need to hear the truth spoken to us, and we need to be able to speak the truth to others around. We all have blind spots, you know, things we can't see. When I'm driving in a car, I have a blind spot, I'm about to pull into another car. I appreciate it when my wife says, hey, <laughs> don't. And that's, that's the idea here. We, we need to, we have blind, we have patterns that we're, we're hurting ourselves. We need to be open to people and hearing the truth from them. Um, we need people who will help us see our blind spots. And then finally, do insights, perspective is not enough. We need to do something with what we're learning. We must take steps to do what we're learning about to do. Insights are important, but they're only the beginning. They're they're the steps we need to take uh, to apply the truth that we're hearing. There's a description of this kind of community in the passage we're going to look at this morning. It's in uh, Colossians 3, and uh, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, wrote this letter to a church that he helped to start in Colossae, in modern Turkey. So this church is in what we call Turkey today. And he explains at the very beginning of the book, the first couple chapters, he's kind of talking about the right teaching, the right understanding of Jesus and who he was. And then in the last part, he starts talking about right living. And in chapter three, we're not going to look at these passages, but he starts out by uh, spelling out very clearly what it means to live in Christ. And he's trying to help the newer Christians in this congregation, it is a congregation of new Christians, understand their role in spiritual growth and change. So he's trying to help them understand what it takes to change, and we can learn from that. And he uses a phrase that's used in in the Bible as a pattern. And he says you need to put off the old self and put on the new self. When he says the old self, um, he's saying the old ways and strategies of living that we used to use to get what we want before we followed Christ. That's that's the old self. The new self is living Jesus' way and trusting him to give me what I need. So God is working to change us, but we still decide what we're going to wear every day. The old self or the new self? The old stuff or the new stuff? In the first part of Colossians 3, you may want to read it this week, but Paul gets very specific as to what we're supposed to take off and what we're supposed to put on. When you've decided to follow Christ and you still live in the old ways, it's like wearing outdated styles. Um You're wearing an outfit that's no longer, it doesn't fit anymore. And so uh, Paul describes these old clothes very clearly. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying. Those are all the old ways. You can check that out in the first part of Colossians 3. The passage we're looking at today is a description of the clothes we should put on, the qualities we should put on. And he describes them. And then as he describes them, he shows us these elements, these qualities of a changed community and how it all works together. So you can see these elements of a changed community in, in his description in Colossians 3. First of all, love uh, is, is in the first part of Colossians 3. Put on then, it says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It binds all of these qualities together. All of them flow out of love. And it binds the group that has these qualities and chooses to keep wearing these clothes. um, It binds that group together. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Tremendous passage here. It's love that holds the whole group of these qualities together, the whole group that lives them out together. And. When I love, these things flow out of it. First of all, compassion. Seeing life from another's perspective. You know, I think natively, my old strategy is to make sure people understand what I'm going through. You need to understand me. I'm upset with you. You need to understand this about me. Um, Love switches the focus to understanding the other person out of compassion. That's what compassion is. I'm trying to see it from there. This, by the way, really helps with parenting. <laughs> if you can get in your one-year-old's body or in his or her mind and begin to see things—two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old—I don't know, fifteen-year-old—if you can—if you can begin to see from their angle what's going on, it really helps in your relationship. To them, but love switches that focus from my perspective to I wonder what they're feeling, what's going on with them. Com- kindness is another quality of a changed community. I'm looking out for the interests of another person, and I'm appropriately helping them with their goals. I'm not taking over, I'm not doing what they should be doing for themselves, but I'm appropriately helping them with their goals. Humility means out of love, I defer to the other person in, in matters of preference. Out of humility, I consider others better than myself. I know they're not. I know we're all equal before God. But I consider them, I treat them like they're better than me. That love is what fuels this. Meekness. It really means strength. It has nothing to do with weakness. It means strength under control. Rather than use my strength to squash people around me, I use it to help them. I use it to try to encourage them. Patience, bearing with, and forgiveness. We do that out of love. I don't throw relationships away. I don't, I don't, I don't trash people. But I hang in there with them through the difficulties. Now, I mean, there are situations where I may draw need to draw some boundaries. Maybe I don't spend as much time I mean, in extreme situations you don't spend time with the person, but you, you don't you don't write them off. You keep doing what you can, which it may be pray. But we bear with. We're patient. We forgive. Th- this is an incredibly practical definition of love if you look at it. This is this is what it means to really love. And it describes the kind of community that when you get into it and people are treating you this way and relating to you this way, you're pulled to do the same thing. You're drawn that direction. If we can grow in these things together, we'll be blessed. We'll bless the people around us, our friends and family, and it, it really begins to change our lives. In this kind of group, we can trust others to be doing what's best for us and we aim to do the same. So, love is that first element of a changed community, know is the second. And this isn't there isn't a specific statement in this passage, so you see the screen's blank there. Um, it's not a specific passage that goes with this knowing, but it's assumed in the entire New Testament that you're in a group of people that know you and that you know them. It's not the same environment as we have in america where people go from uh, one church to the other where they just kind of move around it's it's in the early christian movement you hung on to that group of people for dear life because you were persecuted so there aren't there wasn't the need to choose to plug into a group to stay connected to a group like we have in america you have to choose that today you have to choose to find a group you can trust where you you want to plug into and you have to choose to keep doing that. And that. But that's an important element. In the New Testament, in the early church that Paul was writing to, they all knew each other very, very well. And they related like an extended family. And so that doesn't come out in this passage. But it's assumed that in the, in the New Testament, you're connected to a church body, to a church community, and you're contributing to that church community. So, love, know, speak is the next one. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, I can't, I can't resist this, but I've, I've sung a couple times to Andy, our worship leader. It's painful for him. I was just trying to describe. I didn't sing the whole song, just a couple bars. I don't even know what a bar is. But so the, the point is, the point here is that you let the word of Christ dwell. I, actually, I know it was painful for Andy by the look on his face. That's what. But. It doesn't doesn't mean you have to sing in key, (laughs) but the Word of Christ. In other words, the Scriptures, you're letting them soak into your mind and your heart, and they become the source of your words and your songs and, and your thoughts. First, your thoughts and your words and your songs. That's the content for what we speak. The Word of Christ. My opinion doesn't matter at all, so much as God's opinion on whatever it is I'm dealing with. That's what we need to be saying to one another. We need to be talking about what God thinks, what God says, His perspective. We need to be careful to speak God's truth to one another. And we need to hear it from others as they apply it to our lives. And we need to get in a position where we speak it into their lives. This takes practice. It's scary. It's scary. And if you're new to Church in the Valley, I'm not suggesting that you just open up. We'll talk about that in a little bit and just let everybody see what's going on. But at the appropriate pace, what's going to really help all of us is to get into situations, get into relationships we, where we can really trust the other people to say what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And it's learning to hear the words spoken to us and then soaking it into our minds and then living it in our lives that makes the difference. And then there's a pattern in the Bible. Study, hear it, hear the word, hear scripture, study it, do it, and then teach it. That's the pattern. Back in the book of Ezra, you see it, Ezra 7.10. That's what Ezra did when he, when he completely uh, restored Israel to its uh, relationship in its relationship with God. He led the nation of Israel back to God. And it says he studied it, he did it, and then he taught it. So don't, don't teach it unless you know it, unless you're doing it. That's the idea. But anyway, speaking it is important. then the final element of changed community is we're, we're trying to do what God's told us to do. Whatever you do in word or deed... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The goal of the way we relate here in church community is a changed life. Whatever we do, it reflects. Because uh, Joe Goebel became a member of the church today. We have membership. Whenever you become a member of the church, you bear the name of Jesus Christ and that church. Whatever you do, wherever you are, at work, in your neighborhood, it reflects on who He is. And so, that's, that's the idea here. You do everything in the name of Christ, and when you don't, you, you own up. You own it. You know, you wake up, you own it, and you shift your weight to God. But that's, that's the idea. Um, doing it is the test of real change. And we want to be doing more and more what Jesus would do in each situation that, he face, uh, that we face. Let's let's hear, I'd like to hear from Ryan again, and what he's describing here is how God has used the church community and mixed some of these elements in to really help him change. Let's listen to what he has to say.
1: I used to play soccer, and I was always encouraged when a substitute would come on later and have... Uh have lots of energy, provided me a burst of energy because I try and keep up with that person. Um, and I feel God uses people in that way for me, um, putting people to give me a kind of an extra burst of energy or whatever encouragement, whatever I need at the time. Whether I'm, you know, tired and discouraged, God usually provides somebody there. Uh, whether I'm um, frustrated or trying to do some, a task or something, God usually has provided somebody that's been there waiting to help me. Um, when I first started uh, Church in the Valley and my wife and I joined the community group and immediately uh, got into a group of believers that were living out um, their lives the way that God wanted taking God seriously and that provided a tremendous example of how we should be living our lives. Um, They provided encouragement helped us when uh, we had a task or something that needed to be done and just the example and and being there to answer questions when when things would come up. Um, Around this time we ended up moving and we had moved about five times in the previous four years. And it typically was my wife and I, possibly one other person that had volunteered to help out. And it would usually be you know, an all-day event or possibly an all-weekend event. Once we joined the community group, God lifted up a whole group of people to come help us move. We actually moved um, in about a half a day. And just the tremendous you know, example of, that everybody showed being there to, to help serve us was, was overwhelming. Um, and remembering that, I still, anytime that chance to, comes up to help serve somebody or lift somebody up or encourage somebody, um, it's something that I want to be because I want to provide that same
0: encouragement. Brian, doing that. Um, what the Colossian passage is describing, what I've been describing today, uh, there's a specific Greek word that the New Testament uses. It's the word, we. we the English word is fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia and literally it means mutual reciprocity it's it's a mutual reciprocity in other words i know you i'm i'm known by you i serve you you serve me back i care for you you care for me i give to you and you give back there's this there's this give and receive that is a key part of fellowship god wants all of this to be the outcome of our involvement in the church community. He, he wants a current that is taking us toward a life that pleases him. As I wrap up the message uh, the message, I want to give two ways to make the most of this train, the, this training change process that God uses in our lives within our community. First, first one, how to play our role in the community. Um, how to move with the current, not against it. First of all, be honest and appropriately open. Like I said, we don't want to be transparent and gush, but at the right pace, as we get to know people, we want to open up and let make sure that the outside that we're portraying matches the inside of what's really going on. Because if people don't know what's really going on with us, then they can't help us. They're just taking a stab in the dark. Um, if we don't let people close enough to us to know where we're hurting or what's hurting, and it doesn't have to be everybody or a large group. But just there needs to be a few people that you can share with, who, whom you can trust to really speak the truth back to you. Um, and so th- this is a key value in Church of the Valley. Uh, we have a hard attitude that you commit to in membership. And second hard attitude is live uh, an honest and open life before others. So we're, we're just honest about who we are. We're not perfect. Um, And we're honest and we let people know what's going on so they can really help us. When we live a real life and share what God is doing to change us, maybe an attitude he's helping us with or um, challenges at work, this provides encouragement. I learned an important lesson in ministry when I was going to graduate school, when I was in seminary. And I was leading a group in the church, the fellowship group, it was a men's fellowship group in the church, and one time I just casually shared something I was struggling with. Another guy in the group said, "Man, that is so great. That is so fantastic. You're having a hard time." And I'm like, "Well, I'm really glad I could really glad I could help you out here, you know. But but what I learned is people can identify with my struggles. And and they actually get encouraged that other people are going through the same thing. And so I want to be open about what's going on with me, appropriately open. I don't tell you everything, I think, and you, you should be grateful. But, you know, I, I try to be open, and that's, that's helpful for people. Sharing a struggle, letting them know what's really going on, gives an opportunity for us to really love each other and speak the truth to each other in a gracious way. The second way God wants us to play our role well is to avoid being a master teacher. As people share their struggles, open up. God's the ultimate change agent. He's the ultimate master teacher. But it's so easy to get into a group of people. And when you do start drawing close to them, you see, all, you see everything that's going on. There are warts and all. And everybody has warts and problems. And the temptation is to get in there and to try to make changes in the lives of everyone else and not myself. And so somebody shares a problem, they share something, and boom, out goes a, a lesson that you have prepared just for that moment. And you're the master teacher. So uh, our motivation in relating to one another should be to please God as He changes us, not to change the people around us. So it's, it's better, as somebody shares with you what's going on with them, It's always better to start with trying to understand them rather than instruction. Instruction feels exactly like judgment. And so we watch that. When we focus on changing others, and this is something we struggle with at times, um, and trying to get them to do what we want them to do, it's like mosquito repellent, but it's people repellent. They don't want to be around you. You become sort of a people repellent. And people avoid you rather than wanting to draw close. So our, our part in the community is focused on how God wants to change me, not how he wants to change others, and what I need to do, not what they need to do. We, we do well to stay on that focus. But what I've found is what God does within us becomes the key way he works through us. This is God's way. He works in us. That becomes the way that He works through us as He does these things in us. As we learn from Him, God wants us to share with others what He's teaching us and what we've benefited from as He relates to us and the lessons we've learned. I hope this series has been a real help to you as we've looked at how God supplies the power for change, we mix in the ingredients, and then how a community, the right kind of community, can really help us grow toward the changes that God uh, wants to make in us. I'd like to wrap up the series and the message uh, by asking you to think through some next steps. What are some things that God may want you to do as a result of what you've heard today? As the band comes up, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, with these steps, uh, these are primarily focused on moving toward the community here at Church of the Valley, and you may not be ready to do that. That's okay. Um, but as we move toward the summer, it's easy you know, go vacations and uh, get sort of disconnected because we too try to take a little break in the church calendar as well. Um, enjoy some downtime this summer. But in the midst of it all, consider these steps. Here, here are a couple of suggestions. First of all, take steps to get to know people at Church in the Valley. Circle one of the, those. The you can go out to lunch with someone after church. You can introduce yourself to someone you don't know. Um, you can take initiative to get together with, with other people. Circle either A or B. I need to take initiative to connect. If you're a member of Church in the Valley, this is a key way you can help the team. Take initiative to connect with others. B, accept an invitation to connect. You know, maybe you get an opportunity. You're probably busy. We're all busy. But um, you can get to know people. You can't get to know people without spending time with them. So maybe that's your goal. Next time I see an opportunity in the church calendar, something's mentioned on Sunday morning, I can connect with people. I'm going to do that. Family workshops are a way to do that. Um, we're going to have in July a uh, How to Get into the Bible for Yourself opportunity. Those are smaller groups of people where you can get to know and connect. Um, there are going to be other fun things to do as well. But those are two things. So circle A or B. Either I need to take initiative. Maybe you're not ready to do that. You're not in that spot. I'm going to accept an offer to get together with others. And then finally, ask God to help me focus on changing myself rather than changing others. That's another step you could take as well. Would you pray with me as we wrap up the message? Father, we honor you. We thank you for the truth we find in your word that really guides us and helps us, and uh, if we let it, it will shape us. So, Father, I pray that you give us the grace to keep mixing in the ingredients that um, we need to to work with you as you supply the power for change and. Help us to wisely relate to our church community here. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask for this help. Amen.